welcome to another episode of the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. Presented by the Gwinnett Coalition and the Community Foundation for Northeast Georgia, Giving Back to Gwinnett showcases the nonprofits and people making an impact in Gwinnett. I'm Heather Loveridge, founder of Magnolia Media Group and chief story for the Community Foundation, and I'm your host. Today's episode is one that's not talked about a lot, but it should be. Did you know that every nine seconds a woman is beaten in the United States? Or that people between ages 12 and 24 are at higher risk for sexual assault and rape? Do you know how to recognize the signs of domestic violence? And what to do to help someone who's been a victim of sexual assault or domestic violence? Well, joining us today are two nonprofits tackling these issues. Katha Blackwell, CEO of Partnership Against Domestic Violence, and Lindsay Ferrer, Managing Director of Mosaic Georgia. So, Lindsay and Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us tackle a, a tough topic. Um, so, to start with, Kathy, share with our listeners a little bit about Partnership Against Domestic Violence, or PADV, and what you guys do. Well, at Partnership Against Domestic Violence, we've been around for about 45, 44 years now, and we provide emergency shelter. We have two emergency shelters, one in Gwinnett County and one in Fulton County, and the clients there get to stay with us for about 90 days, sometimes longer, depending on their situation. And we also provide uh, housing services. So for those clients who are interested in moving forward with their life, getting into their own place, we provide them with uh, rental assistance throughout the duration of their lease. We partner with about 40 landlords across Georgia, <laughs> and which is very helpful for us. Yeah. And we also provide free therapy services for those who may not necessarily want to leave their abusive relationship but need someone to talk to in order to process everything that they're going through. We also provide uh, prevention and outreach services. And with prevention, we're working with the next generation in middle schools and high schools and in colleges to educate them about dating violence so that they can be aware of the red flags of abuse so they don't end up um, harming them, uh, being in a harmful relationship. We also have outreach where we provide um, educational information to business owners as it relates to what they should do in the event that domestic violence finds itself within their business or they have an employee who's experiencing domestic violence. And then we also provide community support groups throughout the community for, again, for those clients who they may not want to leave their abuser at this moment or they may have recently left and they really just need help processing what to do next. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing. And, And then Lindsay, tell our listeners a little bit about Mosaic Georgia and what you guys do. Yeah, thank you for having me on this this, af- this morning, <laughs> actually, almost noon. So, But yeah, so Mosaic Georgia, we're a 5013C um, sexual assault and children's advocacy center. We're located in Duluth, Georgia. Um, we provide no-cost forensic medical examinations, forensic interviews, legal services, counseling services, and training services to the community uh, within Gwinnett and also across the state. It just depends on where the assault happened, but if they reside in Gwinnett County, we'll be happy to serve them. A lot of our referrals come through either law enforcement and or the Department of Family and Children's Services, and that's how usually they come to us. Um, One of the cool things that's kind of happening this year is we're opening up a resilience center. Um, We're actually located on the ground floor of the community center at um, Rainbow Village. And the goal is to provide um, long-term healing and holistic services to the community. So in the form of um, drumming circles, trauma-informed yoga, art therapy. Um, So just some different um, kind of therapy forms for Um, victims of abuse and assault, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's homicide, victims of homicide, their family members. 
um, sexual assault as well as child abuse. Mm. Um, so we're looking forward to, to doing that as well. Um, we see everybody. So we see everybody from men, um, boys, girls, women, the LGBTQ community, and across demographics as well. So um, we are kind of like a one-stop shop, and um, we have those wraparound services for everybody. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I love the out-of-the-box thinking, too, and just different ways to help people where they're at. Um, so let's, let's talk about these issues a little bit more in depth and some stats that our listeners need to know because... I think sometimes the tendency is to think, well, that doesn't occur around me or in my backyard or with the people I know that's somewhere else. So let's let's kind of break that down. Um, so and we'll just have a conversation back and forth. But Katha, I'll toss it to you first. So when it comes to domestic violence, one in four women and one in seven men have either experienced domestic violence as a child or they will at some point in time experience domestic violence as an adult. And so when you go into a supermarket or to your faith-based institution and you count out like the every fourth woman has experienced domestic violence or will eventually, that's that's high. Those numbers are high. And the work that we do is the reason why we, the with those numbers, that's why we do work so hard in order to bring that number down because that should not still be happening in our society in any right. shape, way, form, or fashion. Right. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Katha. I mean, um, for sexual assault, child abuse, it's pretty much the same. One in four um, are sexually assaulted or have um, abuse happen to them. Um, I'll give you some statistics just from our organization, what we've done in 2020 as well as 2021. Um, so it kind of puts it in perspective, and we're a Gwinnett County organization um, that serves Gwinnett County, primarily the residents of Gwinnett County. So. In 2020, we did 795 crisis calls came through to our center um, compared to 2021, which was a thousand crisis calls, just over a thousand crisis calls that came into Mosaic, Georgia. So that's a 25% increase and that's across the pandemic. That's what's happening right now. Um, So people are staying at home more, but it's still happening and that's what we've got to recognize. Um, In terms of like our forensic interviews and our forensic medical exams, Forensic interviews in 2020, we did about 480. Um, in 2021, we did 600, over 600 forensic interviews. And forensic interviews, we see children 17 years and younger. Um, so those are all kids that we are speaking to. Um, and then forensic medical exams, we're sitting at about the 300 range for 2022, uh, 2020. Um, and in 2021, we did about 361. So from 2020 to 2021, Um, we've seen an increase um, in all crisis calls, um, forensic medical exams, forensic interviews, as well as advocacy services that we're providing. Wow, and so like you said, probably a result of the pandemic and people being at at home more and just the heightened stress and all the things that come with that. Um, Anything else you would add just to kind of that impact um, or you know, what you've seen and what you're expecting to see for this year as well? Well, for during the pandemic, we saw a huge increase as it relates to those seeking shelter. Uh, It was mostly when the calls that we had that were coming through our crisis line, we normally get around 10,000 crisis line calls per year. And so with the calls that we received during the pandemic, it was more volatile domestic violence where there's more violence taking place than just, you know, hey, we're having arguments and I need to leave because it seems like I'm not in a safe place anymore. But we had those calls where people were calling saying, hey, he just went to the grocery store. He just beat me up. I need to get out of here right now. And so during the pandemic, it was like, I mean, when you hear the calls, even before the pandemic, 
hearing them during the pandemic, it was more traumatizing, I think, even just for staff alone, just to hear the amount of trauma that people were enduring during this time. Because a lot of people didn't realize that they were in an abusive relationship until they had to stay home with the abuser longer. It's, some, it's almost like you didn't realize you were sleeping with the devil until you had to spend time with them. Right. And so a lot of the clients that we serve, they didn't realize how messed up their relationship already was until they had to quarantine or stay or isolate mm-hmm. at home. Hmm. And I think it also um, created some creative thinking mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, get um, victims, clients out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before, you know, if we're if the alleged perpetrator, the abuser is working from home, um, and you're spending all day at home, whereas before the pandemic, maybe the alleged abuser perpetrator was, you know, going out to work during the work time mm-hmm. hours, nine till five. So you might have a client that's in the closet calling a crisis line, a domestic crisis line, a sexual assault crisis line and saying, hey, what do I do? So from the advocacy standpoint, you know, it's that creative thinking that I think that, I mean, I'm going to commend my staff as well, is that, you know, the staff at Mosaic Georgia, and I'm sure for PADV as well, is that creative thinking that they've had to come up with. Mm -hmm. Um, There's multiple things that I think everybody's put into place. Like I know, like our website reflects, I think there's a little exit, safety exit um, on our website so that if they are on the website, they can hit that safety button. And let's say the abuser goes into to see their browsing history, that won't show up on the browsing Mm -hmm. history. So I think that's just some creative thinking that's had to happen as well right. to assist right. the clients as well. You know, and let's we've talked about the range of people that you service and the ages and things. Let's focus in just a little bit um, and talk about some of the children and issues that are happening there. I, th- I think people tend to think, oh, it's, it's all adults, mm-hmm. you know, that are experiencing things. But no, our, our children, our, our vulnerable population mm-hmm. in that age range are at risk too. So. You know, for anyone who works with children or has children, you know, what do they need to know about this? Maybe it's recognizing signs or, or, you know, what else you would say? So when it comes to domestic violence, sometimes people don't realize that children are impacted just as much when it comes to domestic violence. And what we've done at Partnership Against Domestic Violence is we make it our goal and our focus to help the children be children while they're in our care, while they're in our shelters. We try to make sure that they have field trips, that we have fun activities, that there's a child advocate who meets with them every week to discuss how they're doing, how they're feeling. They even have their own goals that they will accomplish while they're in our care. And so domestic violence it has such a huge impact on the next generation if we don't fix it if we don't figure out a way to resolve this so it doesn't happen so frequently the next generation of children they need to know that this is not healthy because when you sometimes when you grow up in that environment the chances of you repeating history are stronger right and so we've seen that when it comes to a, a girl being raised up in an abusive relationship uh, in an abusive household she had her chances of becoming a a victim herself as an adult are three times stronger. And when it comes to a a male child who grows up in an environment like that, his chances of being an abuser someday is five times stronger. And so it is is so crucial that we do this work in order to help the next generation that that, that we don't continue to repeat history over and over again. Right. Because for them, that's normal. Yeah, absolutely. That's just how life is and what you expect. And you expect to be treated that way. And Exactly. So you do. You have to break that mental and yes. emotional. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. At our shelters, the majority of the clients we serve are children. Mm-hmm. Like 250 of them. We serve around 500 clients in our shelter every year. And about 250 of them are children. They're the, they always outnumber the adults by far. But our goal is to make sure that they know 
that this is not healthy, that no, it wasn't right for you to see your father smack your mom. No, that wasn't okay. And that is not how a healthy relationship operates. Right, yeah. right. Oh, good, good points, perspective too. Um, and then Lindsay, what would you say when it comes to children and um, you know, recognizing signs of assault and so on? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, warning signs differ from person to person. Um, but I think one of the big things is, is just, you know, paying attention to your child and observing any changes in behavior that might have occurred. Um, and that could be, you know, their grades slipping um, during school, maybe, you know, being an A student in various classes um, and then their grades slipping. I think one of the other ones is maybe sexualized behaviors that are not common for a child at a certain age. Um, you know, so you might have a five-year-old who is talking about taking off clothes and all that kind of stuff or um, contextual details about certain things um, or abuse or, you know, what's happened to them. A five-year-old shouldn't know those kind of things as well. So those are some of the warning signs. And I, I think, you know, that's where it goes back to the education side of things, right, mm -hmm. is educating um, the children, you know, and, and normalizing that the various body parts, but also, you know, body safety, why it's important mm -hmm. to put into in boundaries um, and all those kind of things as well. So like at Mosaic Georgia, very similar to what Catherine and her team does too, is when a client comes into Mosaic Georgia, um, they're assigned either a victim, ad they have a victim advocate accompany them throughout the whole process of while they're at the center. Um, so the victim advocate will talk to the child about what's going to happen at the center and just kind of be their friend throughout that whole process so that the child knows, you know, if they have any questions um, or they have any concerns that there's somebody there that they can talk to about it. Mm -hmm. um, that's outside maybe an immediate family member, the non-offending caregiver that brought them to Mosaic, Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Just an unbiased third party. What were you going to say, Catherine? Just to piggyback off of that, uh, there are times where you'll see behavior of children who are experiencing some form of abuse. Their behavior will change. There's mm -hmm. something that's going on, and sometimes parents will be like, well, what's going on? I'm not, I'm not sure. They've seen something. Something has happened if your child is wetting the bed all of a sudden where they used to be dry, or now they're having nightmares, or their grades are slipping at school. Something is happening. Mm -hmm. Something has happened, and it could be that they saw the abuse in their home take place, or they heard it, or you know they were they were around it, or something has taken place. So it's always important for parents to really dig deeper and find out what's going on here, because mm -hmm. something has shifted, and it's not just that the weather changed yesterday. Right. Right. That's right. Follow that gut that mm -hmm. parents tend to have. Yes. Something's just not quite right. Mm -hmm. um, and Katha, for somebody who who's listening who may be in a domestic violence, violence situation but feels they can't get out or maybe knows someone, um, what do you tell them? Oh, we tell them a plethora of things. <laughs> One, we try to encourage them to know that this doesn't have to be their story. This mm -hmm. doesn't have to be your story. Your home could be either a home of peace or a home of fear. And we lean towards your home being a home of peace. And so it's very important for people to reach out to agencies like Domestic Partnership Against Domestic Violence, agencies like Mosaic, to just, if anything, to talk with someone, to figure out, am I in an abusive relationship? Was this sexual assault? There's times where you have people in intimate partner relationships where they may have experienced rape and not realize that just because you're in this relationship doesn't mean that this person can do or take what they want. That's not how that works. So reaching out and, and gaining more knowledge is key in order to live a healthy and safe lifestyle. And so we try to tell survivors at all costs, like this doesn't have to be your story. It doesn't have to continue this way down this path. Mm -hmm. Well, and for someone um, who may know someone <clears throat> in an abuse situation, 
how can they best help them? Oh, this is key. This is where community. <laughs> That's right. This is That's where community right. comes in. It takes a village. You know how we say mm-hmm. that it takes a village to raise children, but it also takes a village to combat domestic violence and sexual assault in the community. It takes a village. So, if you know of someone who is experiencing domestic violence, one thing we always tell people is, please don't leave them. Please don't leave their side. Don't don't cut them off because standing and watching your loved one go through this over and over again is taxing on their soul. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's, yeah. it's it's overwhelming, especially when it comes to domestic violence. We know statistically it takes a survivor seven to eight times to leave an abusive relationship and go back again before she decides to leave for good. And so for family members, that can be very taxing. So what we tell people is please don't leave their side. Please don't leave their side. Just be that listening ear. Let that survivor make the decision as to what they want to do with their life, what the next steps are. But don't leave them because it's harder for someone to get out of an abusive relationship if they don't have family or friends backing them up throughout this process. It's harder. So that's the key thing I would say is please don't leave their side. They need you. Mm-hmm. I would add on to that, you know, the, the support that they need, even if it's the form of just, you know, being there and really not saying anything and just being that listening ear. I think the other thing that I would add on to it is that the secondary victim can also call a crisis line too, you mm. know, and sometimes for a survivor, a client um, to call the crisis line is a huge step. Mm. So, you know, as a support to them, you can call the crisis line and say, hey, what, what options might this person have? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the advocate is able to provide them with those options. And you can always give the survivor, the client that information and say, hey, these are some of the options you have, and when you, if you're ready, when you're ready, I'm going to be here for you, mm-hmm. and um, you know we can walk through this together. Well, and along those lines, help our listeners understand because sometimes there's, I think people get frustrated because they think, well, why don't they just leave? Mm. Like they, you know, they're mm-hmm. in a bad situation. I can see it. They've said they're in a bad situation. Why don't they just leave? So speak to that because mm-hmm. there's always different, you know, there's mm-hmm. different layers there. So when it comes to someone just leaving, let's think about this. All of us are probably in some form of relationship right now. How easy would it be for us to just pick, pack up and leave and go where? What's our next step? What do we do about our job? What do we do about our, our, our children's school? What do we do about the neighborhood that we've grown to love? Why should we have to leave anyway? Why should a survivor have to leave her home if she's the one who's being victimized? That makes no sense to me. (laughs) Why doesn't the abuser leave is the real question. (laughs) Because of any other crime, why is the victim having to go and do something to Mm -hmm. fix this? It's not her. the innocent party. Right. She's the innocent party. Why should she have to leave? Uh, But that question does come up a lot as it relates to this, this work that we do. And we have to think about it's not as easy as we think it is. The financial barriers. Some people don't even know that partnership mm-hmm. against domestic violence or mosaic even exist. And so it's so important that we share that message out in the community as much as possible because people just don't know what to do next. And if you've been in a relationship for 10 or 20 years just to pack up and leave, that's hard. That's not easy. That's not an easy task. So just processing that whole piece of leaving is a huge, is a huge weight for survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, they lose everything a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a lot of, unfortunately, statistics show um, child sexual abuse-wise, it's usually somebody that they know and somebody that's within their family, right? Um, and a good portion of that is usually they're the primary breadwinner for the family, too. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones that's making the money. They're bringing home the money. 
And so you've been, you might have been married to this person for a good number of years. That's what you've known. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have all this fall out from under you and possibly, you know, it being done right under your nose as well. You, you have so many questions in your mind and you question yourself, what if, and everything else. Um, so it, it, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard mm-hmm. process of, of leaving and there's just a ripple effect of things too. Um, the financial side, I think, is a huge, huge thing um, mm-hmm. a- as well. How do I provide for my kids? How do I get another apartment? Um, what does another apartment look like? What does another house look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know right now housing costs have have risen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you sig- can find something. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it now average mm-hmm. to buy a place? It's between $200,000 mm-hmm. um, to buy something. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that means you have to be making at least uh, $50,000 a year. Um, and then you might have to send your, you're sending your kids to school. You got to look for after school. Yeah. I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. many components to it. Yeah. Um, but that's what we're here for, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's mm-hmm. um, what Mosaic Georgia and PAD, PADV are here is kind of hopefully being able to guide them mm-hmm. and linking them in with the resources within the community that maybe we don't specialize in, mm-hmm. but we know another organization that might be that specializes in that and is able to assist them with those services. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do either of you have a story you can share about someone your organization organization has helped and the difference it's been able to make in their lives? Because that's always, you know, if you can put a story with those facts and figures, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, I can share um, one story in particular. We had a woman come to us through one of the hospitals that she was actually, um, she had just given birth to a newborn baby and she had a C-section and her uh, abuser had beat her up the previous night. She ended up in the hospital and it caused her incision to open back up. Oh, wow. And so she came to us in just dire needs, like, I have got to get out of this place. I cannot go back home. And even the hospital had contacted us saying, she can't go back home. We need space for her. We need to place her somewhere. Can you all help us? And of course, we're going to jump right in. I'm like, yes, we can tackle this. Uh, Her story entails her working uh, throughout the time that she was in the shelter. She was working full time. (laughs) This mother was like a powerhouse mom. You know how we dream of being that (laughs) powerhouse mom? (laughs) She was it. (laughs) She was it. And she continued to move forward. She went into our supportive housing program, took care of her baby, was just one of the superb moms we've ever seen in this space with all that she had been through. And she ended up getting uh, a house built with Habitat for Humanity. And so she has a place that she can afford. Like, if you partner with Habitat for Humanity, which I'm, I'm one of their cheerleaders, <laughs> uh, they make it affordable for people to right. live, especially the families that we serve. It makes it realistic for them to have their own place. And so her story was just overwhelmingly powerful, and she had been through so much, just giving birth to her baby, having to go back to the hospital, and then coming to us, hitting the ground running. And that inner strength was just, like, I don't, we don't know where she got that strength from because <laughs> we can't we can't take the the you know the credit for that because she came in ready to go and knowing once now that she had her newborn baby that she had mm-hmm. to put the pedal to the metal let's go forward not backwards wow wow amazing woman yeah yeah and across that it takes time too right mm-hmm. I mean those things don't happen overnight mm-hmm. either so I mean that you could be I don't know how long it took from beginning to end mm-hmm. but one one story that I can share is, I mean, we've been working with a client for, I think, approximately two years now. Mm. Um, her daughter was sexually abused by her um, husband, 
and um, it was prosecuted in the criminal justice system, but he was also, um, she had to obtain a TPO on him, but then also a, you know, look into a divorce, and we were able, with our wraparound services and our legal program, we were able to assist her with that. Um, and be able to obtain that divorce. But when, you know, when it comes to divorce, there's also a lot of split assets that need to happen as well. Um, but she's striving right now, her and her daughter, and she actually has two daughters. They're doing really well. Um, and they've stayed in communication with us and she's getting back on her feet. And it's taken about a couple of years mm. for that to happen. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm thankful, yes, for the work that you guys are doing, the difference that it's making in the community. Um, so let's talk briefly as we're wrapping up our time. Um, Y'all had mentioned, uh, you know, that this impacts employers too and, mm -hmm. and the workforce mm -hmm. and all of that. And so I, kn I know a large portion of our audience um, uh, are either em employers or, or working in the area. So what are some advice, tips you have for them, you know, if they think, oh, I think I have an employee who might be struggling with this or a coworker or someone like that. Let's mm -hmm. just talk about within that context. So within that context of employers, it's very important that you have policies in place mm -hmm. as it relates to domestic violence. If you have an employee that is experiencing domestic violence, what steps can you all take? So for example, we have a policy at our agency that if we have an employee who's experiencing domestic violence, this, these are the steps we'll take as it relates to their safety, that mm -hmm. their abuser cannot come on our property at all if they know where we are. And the, the, um, the employee can also take off a couple of days as needed based upon the situation that they're in if they're getting a temporary protection order because sometimes that takes a lot of time and so on and so forth so having policies in place uh, if the abuser shows up at your place of employment what should you do what can you do how can you help keep this person safe instead of saying hey we're gonna let this person go because their abuser keeps calling their our phone lines and keeps showing up unannounced and disrupting the day we're not gonna fire this person we're gonna keep them employed there's a way that maybe we can get a temporary protection order so this person this abuser can no longer come to our property and disrupt our day so different things like that are available and if people want more information they can definitely reach out to us at our crisis line which is four zero four eight seven three one seven six six awesome yeah I, I, I mean policies procedures are definitely a great thing I think one of the other things is listing those crisis numbers in various locations at the workplace right mm -hmm. um, I think people kind of um, usually suffer silently because they are worried about maybe some judgment what's going to happen to me what's going to happen to my family what's going to happen to my job mm -hmm. um, so you know we, we kind of test those waters a little bit to see but by posting like crisis various crisis lines for them to be able to kind of like see and if they need a call that they're able to call on their time but also having that open door policy mm -hmm. hey come talk to me if anything is going on um, and also you know listening I think that's mm. one of the key things is is really listening I think we, we always want to help it's like okay here this is what I can do but sometimes they just need a listening ear mm -hmm. um, to be able to kind of get out what they need to get and, and process what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. And then from an employer standpoint, it's kind of like, okay, let's, let's see what we can do moving forward. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you actually speak the words into existence, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. that yeah. helps too. Yeah. And so what about our community at large? How can they help address these issues? Mm. 
Well, when it comes to domestic violence, it's, it's it takes, like I said before, it takes a community. And we have to set, have a strategic stance to say domestic violence does not have room in our communities. Um, connecting with your neighbors, even if you have an HOA, putting a post out about these resources, uh, sending out a newsletter with resources, community resources that are available, that's helpful. But being mindful, not, not ignoring it if you see something. Mm-hmm. If you see something, say something. If you see someone going through something, it's okay to step, stop by and say, hey, you know, what's, I saw this, are you okay? And just to be, like Lindsay said, that listening ear and just being mindful of what people are going through and not ignoring it or just turning a deaf ear to it, like, oh, that's not my problem. No, it's everybody's problem. Mm-hmm. It's everyone's problem. I'll never forget when uh, my, one, one year, my children, the first day of school, we live in suburbia, right? <laughs> and the first day of school when I was bringing them home from school, there were helicopters and police and someone had just been murdered in our neighborhood mm-hmm. due to domestic violence. Mm-hmm. We had conversations. I had to have conversations with my children about, well, this is what's going on. We don't want it to come to our door. It shouldn't be a secret thing that's going on in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. There's a way for us to save a life if we reach out, if we say something, if we see something, we should say something, or at least try to help this person and let them know, I'm here for you if you want to just talk. Right, right. Which goes back to community and knowing your neighbors and just, yes. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, supporting Child Abuse Prevention Month, Sexual mm. Assault Awareness Month, you know, those are, there's lots of activities that happen on those months. I think April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, and we, you know, do outreach with the Georgia Gwinnett College community, and we're, we're active on the Georgia Gwinnett College community, um, but also just in the community in, in general. You know, we do these pinwheel projects, and we put them in four different daycare locations, um, but volunteering your time to assist an organization um, with those various prevention things. But also, you know, don't be afraid to discuss and promote and talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as it relates to child abuse as well, I think I talked a little bit earlier about talking to your children about body safety and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really important kind of, you know, as well, because they don't just need to hear it at school. I know, you know, mm-hmm. schools, they do their prevention as well. Um, But we also need to be talking about this at home, normalizing the different body parts um, and and using the correct terminology as well, Mm -hmm. you know, and a vagina is a vagina Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah. And it's not a one and done conversation. It's an ongoing age appropriate conversations um, that parents, caregivers need to be having. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. And we just want to save a life. We don't want to, history doesn't have to keep repeating itself. So it's important that we have these conversations. Yeah, that's right. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Katha and Lindsay. And give our listeners your websites real quick so they can find out some more information. So PADV is? At Partnership Against Domestic Violence, our website is www.padv.org. Awesome. At Mosaic Georgia, it's www.mosaicgeorgia.org. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Um, And thank you to our listeners for joining us for the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Gwinnett Coalition or the Community Foundation, please visit them at GwinnettCoalition.org or CFNEG.org. I'm your host, Heather Loveridge. Thanks again for joining us. And now go make a difference in your community.